Hi, it's Ian Brody here. Welcome to another Authority Marketing Podcast. With me on the line today is Danny Inney, who you may well know. He's the co-founder of Firepool Marketing. Uh, he's the author of a number of books, including most recently um, Engagement from Scratch, which he, which he co-authored with a bunch of famous folks like Guy Kawasaki, Brian Clark, and uh, also the author of Naked Marketing. Welcome to the call, Danny. Thank you very much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. I think it is. I think it is. Hey, podcast is all about authority marketing, how you establish yourself as an authority in your field, and you've built a very big reputation, and what I think is a very short space of time, really, is one of the go-to guys for, for small business marketing, and particularly, you've looked at audience, building an audience-based business, and this more recent idea of naked marketing, but take us back a bit, how did you actually get started? So, it did start very organically, there is a kind of falling into a, a market that kind of happens um, at the at the outset of any kind of business, I think, because it starts by just kind of identifying a need and seeing how you fit the need. So if you scroll back the story a couple of years, um, three years probably, um, my partner who I started Firepool Marketing with, Peter and I, we were both in the marketing strategy consultancy kind of space, consulting or coaching, um, both working with small business owners, um, the businesses I worked with were a little bit smaller, kind of zero to 10 employees. Mm-hmm. Peter was maybe a little bigger, kind of zero to 50. But we both saw that in that space, there, I mean, there are plenty of people who are doing well who can certainly afford our services, and it, it led to a pretty lup- lucrative practice. But there are also a lot of people who are just starting out who don't have any money, who really need help, um, and, and are not in a position to pay for it. And so, you know, we gave a lot of our time away for free. It's it's kind of the circle of life of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. You know, we pay it forward. Everyone helped us when we were starting out, so we try to do the same. But our time wouldn't scale. And so we looked around for what was a good training that we could refer people to. And we didn't really find any. We were quite disappointed with the stuff that we saw, and we decided that we would create one ourselves. And that turned into our Marketing That Works training program and Firepool Marketing. It's our flagship program. Um, and, and the reason why we felt well positioned to create that is that in addition to being good at marketing, we also had strong backgrounds in the educational space. I've been running educational um, technology and, and education-related startups for most of my career and Peter's university professor. So in addition to understanding marketing, we understood education. Right. So it wasn't so just a matter of splurging out your knowledge. You were able to do it in a way that people would actually really learn from and be able to implement. Exactly. And and. I mean, the results bear it out. You know, the kind of stuff we hear from our students is, you know, I started my business a year ago. I've been in the red the whole time. Um, I joined your program, and now we've had our first two months in the black kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, And which is why we're comfortable. We, we put our, our extra $1,000 um, guarantee on it. If, if you don't add $1,000 to your monthly bottom line within six months of signing up, we'll refund your money. It's not like a, if you're not happy with it, send mm-hmm. it back. It's like it's got to get you results. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we built this training program, and then we created Firepool Marketing, the the blog, the public face of it, just as a way of kind of reaching the people, um, reaching the people that that needed to to get this content. So the idea for this core product, this flagship thing that kind of kicked it off, it did happen organically because we were just talking to these business owners day in and day out, and it was very clear what the need was. After we knew what we were going to offer, what that key value promise was, finding the positioning and building the audience and building the authority is something that happened um, somewhat organically in the sense that, you know, I did experiment with a lot of things. I did a lot of research. And when I saw something was working, I kind of ran with it. Yeah. But there was something a lot more strategic to it as well in, in that, you know, we didn't try everything. We tried specific things. And, 
you know, applying a certain amount of, I'd like to think, expertise and insight to observing what was working and understanding why it was working so that we could leverage it better. Excellent, yeah. I think that's actually quite a common factor I've heard. If, if people listen back to lots of these author- interviews I've been doing, quite a few people kind of fell into their field by accident, but they didn't just keep wandering around by accident within that field. Then mm-hmm. they started getting strategic, testing, analysing, figuring out what was working, and, and began to get more and more focused in their approach. And it sounds like you've gone down that uh, similar kind of a, approach. It's almost moved from an organic to an analytical way of doing things. That's right. I mean, the, the organic is kind of a good way of giving you that aha moment of, I should do this. Mm. And then a smart marketer kind of puts on their marketing hat and and does that analysis to see, okay, how can I get it done and get it done well and effectively. So so today your business, in a way, if I was to come to Firepole Marketing, it, it feels like it kind of is a fit for, for most small businesses in terms of their marketing. But did, are you seeing that you kind of started out really looking at those those micro businesses that couldn't couldn't really afford to hire consultants and coaches, and it, the, the the trigger was to f- to focus on them first, and then it's kind of lots of other people have, have, have kind of come on board as potential customers. Is that the way it's gone? Uh, not really. The way that we've evolved, so it's it's kind of an interesting evolution. So once we figured out what we were, you know, what the need was, mm-hmm. and we started creating this product, so we took a step back and we we're like, who really needs this? And you know, the, the answer is small business owners. It's basically um, the way we internally define our target market. It's small business owners and entrepreneurs, zero to ten employees. Any situation where the person who is in charge of the business is also in charge of marketing, mm-hmm. as in they don't have someone else whose job is marketing, and they're not formally trained in marketing. Yeah. Um, but we go further, and, and we look at the psychographics, and this is important. You know, these are smart people. They don't know what they're doing because they've never learned how to do this, and there there is an expertise to be had. It's not because they're stupid and they're tired of those. You know, the classic example of this is these articles are like, you know, how to take over the world in five easy steps with Twitter. <laughs> and so, we did a very. I mean, it happened a little bit organically, and then we kind of applied the analysis after and refined. But one of the things that I teach my my students in some of my programs, and certainly anyone I work with one-on-one, is you've got to position yourself in a market. And so the way you create this, I can kind of talk through it in two minutes. The way you create this positioning matrix is you've got a two-by-two grid. So basically like a, a square, you've got two axes. And think about all of the spectrums on which you and all your competitors might be arrayed. And that could be anything. It could be the target age demographic you're targeting. It could be whether you're you're very focused on technology versus very focused on soft skills. It could be anything, whatever kind of those ranges might be. And find the two that you think you can differentiate against and that matter in terms of the value proposition you're offering and map those two on the two spectrums. And then map out your biggest competitors and see where you land. And we did this with the two axes that we chose were... Um, amateur, as in you know, entrepreneurs, so amateur marketers versus professional marketers who are trained as marketers. That was one spectrum, and the other was the focus of the the advice and the education, whether it was kind of tactical and you know five tricks to do this, or more strategic, where you know we'll give you tactical stuff, but it's in the context of helping you understand how marketing works. We want people who are our students to be better positioned to figure out their own marketing rather than just applying templates we give them all the time. Yeah. And so looking at that grid, we, we laid out the major competitors in the space. And, and the major competitors are not necessarily the people you think of as competitors. They're the 
they're the people that your target audience might think of as their alternatives, the other people they'd go to. So we had, um, we had, you know, guerrilla marketing and duct tape marketing, which yeah. are targeting amateur marketers, but really very tactical. We had, um, marketing profs, which is also tactical, but more for professional marketers. We had psychotactics that is, also kind of more for professional marketers, but it's it's more strategic. And we found that square in the grid, which is for amateur marketers, but strategic advice, there, there was really a gap. Mm. And Probably so, an assumption there that business owners don't want to learn how to do marketing. They just want quick results. But it obviously you found not necessarily true. Well, we found that you're right. I mean, business owners want results, but at some point in, in the process of growth, you get tired of the empty promises of immediate results. Mm. And again, our audience is intelligent. We're not looking for, for people who are looking for you know an, an overnight way to make a buck. We're looking for people who are jaded at least a little bit with these empty promises, who are smart enough to realize that building something real takes some work. Mm. Um, and, and that's the positioning in the market. But that's that's not how we built the authority per se, or, or I should say myself, because because that's really more of a personal brand to a certain extent. Um, there's and and you know the phenomenon is maybe well known. The articulation of this phenomenon, um, I I got it from Derek Halpern, so he absolutely deserves credit for this. Um, but what Derek will talk about is that you need um, first to position yourself as what he'll call like a niche or a micro niche superhero. And then you take advantage of the halo effect. And so you start by being the expert, the go-to person, the authority on one super narrow little space, but be known as that authority. And once people see you as that incredible authority, they, they kind of associate that expertise with other things and you can broaden your focus. And for me, you know, the way I grew the audience at Firepole Marketing was through a lot of guest posting. You know, the whole Freddy of Freddy Krueger of blogging kind of thing, and and that is the niche superhero. You know, I am the Freddy Krueger of blogging, and with engagement from scratch, that kind of broadened to the area of engagement and community building and so forth. And as the audience grew, as as that awareness of what I'm doing uh, grew, that focus was able to expand as well to kind of the more general marketing that that I do. But always it seems um, expanding, I guess you'd call it within the bounds of credibility and that you're moving from blogging to engaging. And of course, blogging is an example of engaging. So it's not a, it's not as That's if you're right. expanding from blogging to leadership, for example, and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's all quite closely related. People can, when they're looking at what you're doing next, they can kind of nod and go, yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, it, it feels like he's got that credibility. Yeah, exactly. And it's you can expand very broadly doing that. You just have to do it kind of step by step. Mm. Excellent, excellent. So when it comes to then the marketing you've then used uh, within to build that that kind of level of fame and authority, uh, obviously you've done quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of uh, marketing online. Mm -hmm. um, was that a choice that you you decided the way? Uh, you know, I'm, and obviously you can't do guest blogging other other than online. But, but well, not sure it, you can. That's just writing for magazines. Oh, guest articles, of course, it is. Yeah, yeah. Just changing the word. Yeah. So, but was it a deliberate choice that you thought you know online is going to be faster, quicker, more effective for me? What made you kind of decide to go down that route? Um, well, it was a different kind of business I was looking to build. So I, before Firepole Marketing, I was working as a consultant for several years. I probably started as a copywriter in 2006, and that kind of broadened to consulting, kind of gradually 
from then to now. Um, and my business was local, so I'd go to the BNI meetings and you know the breakfast networking, and I'd shake a lot of hands and meet a lot of people. And you know, I can't complain. Business was pretty good, but it's a totally different kind of business model. You're very geographically constrained. Um, you're working with people who expect to see you face to face, and it's very much trading. You know, I, I don't like people say they don't want to trade time for money, and I think it's such a stupid cliche because you're always trading time for money. It's I'm just a glad matter of you said that, yes. when is the time <laughs> yeah. spent and when is so is it is it upfront or is it bit by bit? Yeah, exactly. Like th- there's that uh, expression. I don't know who came up with it, but they say you know, internet marketers are people who who work 80 hours a week so they can make money they while they sleep. sleep. Yeah, I like that. Uh, <laughs> And so it's not that I didn't want to trade time for money, but I wanted to slightly decouple um, the direct relationship between time and money. I wanted to spend, I was willing to spend a huge amount of time, which I did. I mean, you know, our training program took over 2,500 hours to build. I spent most of the year writing guest posts. Like there, there was a huge amount of work put into this, um, but it, it was leveraged into an asset, into into an audience, frankly, that's engaged and that cares about what I'm doing that allows things to keep ramping up and growing further. So it's just a different kind of business. Um, and and in the outset, it wasn't really a conscious choice of, you know, do I want to work as a consult- consultant face-to-face or do I want to build some kind of an online empire? It was just a matter of, you know, consulting. I can work with people one-on-one. It's expensive services, no problem. Um, selling a training program, which is a much lower price, it's just not cost effective to do it locally. Mm. Um, and it's not cost effective to limit your market in that way. It didn't make sense for that kind of business. But I mean, in hindsight, you know, I, I, right now I don't do any local business anymore. My, my business all comes through Firepole Marketing. It's all remote. Um, the couple of cases where I have students that are local, it's just because they happen to yeah, be local. It's not because I, I connected with them locally. Um, and, and I enjoy that a great deal more. Okay. Good, good. So when it comes to your marketing then, what do you think has been crucial to the success of that? What kind of like, What's the secret sauce, I guess, of, uh, that's made your marketing work and get you such a, a big audience so quickly? Um, well, first of all, I'd say there is no one thing. It's, there's a bit of a flywheel effect. Hmm. Like I can point to, and this is kind of the challenge of entrepreneurship in general, um, when I speak at universities about entrepreneurship, I, I like to use the analogy that building a business is a lot more like building a bridge than it is like writing a paper. Right? If you're in school and you write a paper and you get 10% of it wrong, you get an A. If you're building a bridge and you get 10% of it wrong, the bridge falls down. <laughs> and so <laughs> there's really much less margin for error. So I can point to a bunch of kind of puzzle pieces that if you pull any of them out, the bridge falls down. Right. Yeah. Um, but that being said, what are some of the, from a tactical standpoint, like what are specific things that were really key? Probably all the guest posting that I was critical. Um, engagement from scratch was critical. Um, of, you know, releasing Write Like Freddy and doing a lot of webinars to promote them and kind of expanding my audience that way was critical. Those are three things that, you know, I can definitely point to as being critical tactical components. But in terms- Sorry. Well, what I was going to add is in terms of overarching, what are the things that made it stick? It's that, first of all, I understand marketing. Um, I understand that it's about people. I understand. I, I find it's, It amazes me how many people out there are talking about marketing without really understanding what it's about. Um, whether it's email marketing, whether it is about engagement, whether it, these are words that everyone throws around without understanding how it works. 
And I mean, anyone who talks about just as a random example, you know, email marketing, and they say that if you don't want to be junk mail, you have to have double opt-in or you need to have one click on subscribe, or they talk about a content to pitch ratio of whatever. That's just, they don't know what they're talking about. And there's so much of that everywhere. It, it drives me nuts. So it's about understanding marketing, and it's a very fundamental thing. It's about aligning what you've got with what people want and communicating it to them in a way that, that is compelling to them, which is not all that complicated. So that's one thing. And the other thing is the very personal accessibility and involvement. I mean, you know, what is the one thing that has mattered to me, to, to my audience, rather? So it's that I answer my emails. <laughs> I mean, as differentiators go, it's a really simple thing, but I answer my emails, and and that's really important. Mm. Do you mind if I add one thing to that list of uh, sure. things behind it? Because one thing I've noticed by observing what you're doing is you also don't rest on your laurels for very long at all. So it could have been very tempting, I think, for you. You know, once the you know once all the guest blogs paid off and all of a sudden you're getting a lot of traffic to the website and a lot of kind of fame and authority through that to just start selling your kind of sit back and start selling your programs and courses but you actually systematized that and turned it into the uh, the Write Like Freddy program but once the Write Like Freddy program was a success you didn't stop there you were already writing engagement from scratch you're already beginning to think about naked marketing and the way so there's always there's, there's almost no I've never seen a, a big breathing space of you know months and months from you where you've you've disappeared and just kept with the same thing. You've always been working on a new project, and I guess it's this flywheel effect that then, then it gets exactly bigger and bigger. Um, and I like to have things prepared a little bit in advance, mm. like the way that I look, and I do them like back to back. So the way that I look at it, like this is my you know kind of a, a rule of thumb kind of yardstick. If let's say I'm launching something. If in the last week of the launch, I'm still working on the launch, that's really bad. Mm. In the last week of the launch, I should already be working on whatever's happening next month. Mm. And that way you don't get these kind of lulls and gaps, but you continue exactly. to build momentum. Yeah, and that, that requires some planning. You have to kind of plan out what you're doing. You don't wait till this is done and then think about what's next. Yeah, especially when you're working with partners, which you do a lot, is that you can't you could maybe stay up late and finish off the doing something just for yourself but if you have to organize and plan and synchronize it's not it's not going to happen if you don't do it in advance no, it takes quite a bit of time and even stuff on your own i mean you know your your constraints become very different at different sta stages of growth when you're when you're just starting out you'll feel like your constraint is time Right, and your constraint is is content. Like you'll you can put out as much as you have the time to put out. As things get bigger and you have more resources and more momentum, the constraint is actually time in a very different way. It's time on the calendar. Mm -hmm. Right, you can only promote one thing at a time. You can only promote right. you know maybe two things a month, whether it's something you're selling or it's a campaign or whatever. Um, and if you aren't on the ball, a lot of that time gets wasted. Yeah, that's very very important actually it's something you, you're absolutely right you, do, you don't notice it early on because you don't have that much to promote you've got the one exactly. thing the one thing of your own that you're working on yeah. all the time but then all of a sudden when people start knocking on your door saying can you can you help with this can we get involved with this can we do this together and then you've got because you've created yourself a kind of a, a big asset base of things you can turn into programs more quickly um, and things you you can release suddenly you just become short of uh, of weeks in the month the mm -hmm. uh, and hours in the day or in which people are willing to listen to you and buy things or or get engaged with you not that you couldn't do more it's just you just 
th- th- people don't have enough, uh, you know, um, attention time to, uh, yeah, you to pay attention to. You can't tell people about seven things at once. And then yeah. just to, to illustrate this, right now we're, it's beginning of July that we're recording this. Yeah. Um, my calendar, in terms of my editorial, my promotion calendar, is booked out day by day until mid-November. Mm. And I know at a high level what I'm doing in November, December, January, and February as well. Mm. That's that's quite a bit of scheduling. That's quite a bit of scheduling. But I think that happens when you've got the flywheel running, and, exactly. Uh, and yeah. Things are coming towards you've got it. You just you, you discover pretty soon if you try and promote two or three things in a week, it just doesn't work. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. It doesn't work. And it's very important to have the planning because it it kind of comes back to you know Stephen Covey's big rocks. Um, if you start with you look at the next three six months and you say these are the big things I want to do, you kind of block them out. Then when someone comes to you and says, I want to do this or that promotion or this or that webinar or this or that training or whatever it is, you kind of schedule them around. But if you don't make those big plans, then people come to you and you block them out and then you look at your calendar and you don't have time in there to do the stuff you actually want to do. Your own stuff, often that is. Um, yeah. you end up with, with other people's stuff and uh, not enough time for your own yeah that that's very instructive actually for people for people beginning to make that transition to kind of f- to establishing themselves it, it, it's probably difficult to believe early on <laughs> but but it does happen it does happen yeah absolutely and when it tips it really tips yeah yeah final question for you Danny if, if you think about a someone like a consultant just like you were a consultant or a coach but someone just starting out today and they you know they want to carve out their own niche their own niche become known as a leader and authority in that particular field um where sh- what's the best way of people starting um well that's a very broad question mm. because becoming known as an authority is a very broad question um and i'd i'd kind of back up the question a little bit and ask well why do you want authority is not an end goal unless you're just a very vain person <laughs> right in the case authority, but it's means not. to an end right so yes. what is the end and that will make a big difference. Do you just want to be very credible so that when you're reaching out to, you know, you're, you're sitting in your meeting with the CEO of whatever company that you want to work with, they're impressed with you? Mm. Are you? Is it basically, is authority building a very credible resume? Is authority aggregating an audience because you actually want to have relationships with a lot of people who can support what you're doing and maybe become customers? Um there are a lot of other reasons to ha- to to be interested in authority as yeah, well. It could, be, it could be just being the go-to person for a very small select group of potential clients and having influence mm-hmm. with them, for example. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, the first step is be very very clear about what your goals are mm. and what kind of authority you need. And then, I mean, re- once you know that, you can reverse engineer that to kind of see. Well, other people who have that, this type of authority, what have they done? And the people I want to think highly of me, you know, what are good ways to reach them and impress them? But I think where people get stuck a lot is they just, I want to be a recognized authority because I think that'll somehow magically bring me tons of money and tons of business. And they don't actually have a very clear sense of what they're trying to do. So they may end up copying the wrong sort of authority or, or, or two, or or authorities who who go about things completely different ways. The one who appeals to the general public. blueprints of authority and taking a bit of each which makes no sense it's like Mm. going to the toy store and buying five puzzles and taking 20% of each (laughs) and expecting it to stitch into something yeah it's not going to work it's not going to work excellent advice Danny thank you very much Um, that's it for the interview much appreciated if people want to find out more about especially if they got suddenly interested in all these ideas that uh, you've been talking about that that come from you and Firepool Marketing where, where should they go to get started 
Um, well, I mean, you know, they call me the Freddy of Kr- Freddy Krueger of blogging because I'm kind of everywhere. So if you Google me, you'll find me. But um, what I would say is the best entry point is my book, Engagement from Scratch, which I co-authored with a lot of people who are a lot smarter than I am, like Brian Clark at Copy Blogger and Guy Kawasaki and Mitch Joel, et cetera, and lots of other really great people. Um, it's 15 or 20 whatever dollars on, on Amazon. And if you buy it there, then, you know, I'll very much appreciate the, like, you know, buck 50 to my bottom line. <laughs> But if uh, if you you don't have to do that, just go to engagementfromscratch.com, and you can download the entire book um, as a PDF. It's it's not like two chapters and then buy the rest. It's you get the entire book, and that's a really great introduction to what I'm doing and and how I might be able to help you. And it's completely free. Excellent. Thank you very much, Danny. Much appreciated for that. Um, I would definitely advise, having read Engagement from Scratch myself, um, would definitely recommend that people go off and do that. Um, and it's well worth your... your t- of course, everything is an investment. In this case, for people, it's an investment of their time to uh, to read that book, but it's a very good investment indeed. Uh, so go off and do that. And uh, thanks again, Danny. Thank you very much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Cheers.